today on the Scott Thompson Show on 900 CHML. A whole pile of Canadian premiers have headed down to the United States, uh, and they want to talk about the North American free, uh, the second edition of NAFTA, the uh, USMCA, and specifically uh, sort of counter uh, uh, counteracting the the Buy American plan. They want to go down there and basically sell our wares and get people to buy stuff from us. To talk more about all of this, Ian Lee, Sprott School of Business, Carleton University. He is with us now. Ian, thank you for the time. Much appreciated. Uh, my pleasure, Scott. Okay, I'm going to tell a really quick story. I'm at a Christmas party this past year with a pile of people, someone uh, about my age in their 50s, talking to her. Uh, she's from America. Uh, said, no, I don't want to talk about Trump, but I'll talk about my business. She had a, uh, they had, her and her husband have had a company down there for 20, 25 years. I believe she said they made like gym mats, like the wrestling mats. Yep. And it was an incredibly successful business, so much so they sold it. They bought uh, and, and then took the money and rebuilt another one and do exactly the same thing. And they're, they're doing gangbusters down there. And I said, why the success, what have you? She said, because in America, they buy American. And this is a transplanted Canadian down there yeah. uh, is by America killing us uh, killing is uh, I wouldn't put it quite so strongly but I think it's a very very serious threat um, the I was doing some research on this in anticipation of our conversation and uh, this is not something that Donald Trump invented in fact there's a lovely paper from the not Library going on forever it goes, goes all the way back to the origins of the American Revolution, apparently. This idea of buying American when they were taking on the British in the war, their war of independence or the revolution or whatever they call it. So there's been a strand, a strain of this buy American, call it parochialism, that's been there for 250, 300 years in the U.S. Is this good uh, or bad? It, it, I believe it's not good uh, because we have 300 years of trade theory and for those who say I don't believe in theory well I believe in a thing called reality and, <laughs> um, the capitalist nations of the world the the countries that trade the most I've looked up the data not one year for 50 to 70 years the countries that trade the most have the highest wealth and standard of living in the world. I'm so it's not even good for America to do this. That's exactly my point. Now, does this mean that they're going to become poor if they go buy American? Of course not. What it means is they're going to sacrifice some growth. Okay, they're already rich, you could say, and they don't need more. But the point is, when you put restrictions on that, all the data, the Bank of Canada governor talks about this, you slow down growth. Because not every country, and not even the United States, can be self-sufficient in everything. We trade for a reason, because somebody else is making the product better or more cheaply or more available. We buy, I mean, I'll use a really trivial and stupid and obvious example. We import blueberries in January and cucumbers and tomatoes from outside of Canada. Why? Because we're freezing in Canada. You can't grow cucumbers and tomatoes in January in Canada. Now, that's an obvious reason. But if, you, if, if people go beyond the obvious logic of, well, it's frozen outside, to say that we don't have the capacity to build everything in Canada. Every country builds different things. Sometimes there's overlap. And so we can get things that augment our standard of living. One-third of Canada's GDP comes from trade. 20% of the U.S. comes from trade. And they became 
the nation that they became in the last in the last hundred and so years, let's say from 1900 till now, because they became a trading nation, just like England. UK became the world's superpower in the 1800s. They were the world's traders. And so this idea that you become wealthier if you uh, uh, keep out the, the foreigners, you know, the foreign com- competition, <laughs> is specious, empirical, statistical nonsense. We've seen it's, a. It's, it's looking after people who want their, you know, they don't want to hustle and compete as hard uh, because they have to compete against against uh, uh, foreigners. Let me give one more quick example, Scott, because everyone will. I'm a huge NFL guy, okay, and and I'm I'm not a, a Kansas City Chiefs fan, but I'm a Patrick Mahomes fan. Mm-hmm. You want to know the impact of competition? Anybody look at the Olympics? Any Olympics? Any country? And it, it, the competition drives those amazing young athletes to excel and become better and better. The same in football. They, they got there because they competed. They didn't say, well, we're going to keep out you know, the people that are really good. You know? they, they don't do that. And, and so competition produces greater wealth. And, and you get more competition through more trade. And so buy American hurts the Americans. But it's very popular. Uh, we've seen a bi-Canadian program. I think it was with agriculture uh, popping up about a week or two ago. Is this just all to make us feel better? Well, I want to distinguish between campaigns where you run advertising campaigns and slogans saying, buy Canadian at your local store, go to Canadian Tire, or whatever. That's one thing. That, that's perfectly legit. Freedom of speech. You can run an ad saying whatever. And I'm not to, that's not protectionism. Protectionism is where you use the legal system to say, yeah. you may not come here. You may not export your goods to the United States. Or if you do, we, we, uh, our governments may not buy them. There's a big difference between running ad campaigns and, and promotional campaigns, you know, buy milk, buy Canadian milk, you don't buy foreign milk. Okay, that's fine. I mean, it's not, that's not legal protectionism. That's just competing yeah. using advert, uh, advertising and extolling the fact that you're Canadian. But protectionism is where you use the threat, the power of law, to prohibit foreign entry by foreign competitors or prohibit governments from buying, procuring from foreign companies. That's protectionism, and that is what is very dangerous, and that is what will hurt the United States and Canada and other countries. You're listening to the Scott Thompson Show podcast on 900 CHML. Uh, your thoughts on premiers, I think it's Ontario, Quebec, Alberta, New Brunswick, heading down to, and Saskatchewan, I, I don't know if I said that or not, uh, heading yeah. down to Washington to celebrate the New Deal and beat back protectionism, as says the Canadian press. Uh, what's their objective here? Good idea? I think it's an excellent idea uh, for a couple of reasons. You can't, the, I mean, the provinces are big, uh, there's only 10 of them, and you can't rely completely and exclusively on the federal government to do all the heavy lifting. So having the federal government lobbying Washington is good, but there's also 50 state governors down there, and our premiers have personal relationships with some or many of these 50 governors, especially the border states. You know, Montana, Washington State, uh, Ohio, uh, New York, obviously, Pennsylvania. And so they should be leveraging those relationships, which they're doing. The second one that's not being said in that story today, and I thought it was interesting, is, so let me put it out there really bluntly. The prime minister, our prime minister, Trudeau, and their president, Trump, don't have, and to be frank and honest, they don't have the best relationship of all. It's, um, it's on the surface. They keep it civil. 
But, you know, there's no love lost between those two people. No. I mean, they're from opposite ends of the philosophical political spectrum. One's very conservative and one's very liberal. So diversifying your politicians down there and sending down some conservative premiers to talk to some of those conservative Republican uh, governors, I think, is a very, very good thing. Do you want to try to allay and reduce the protectionist measures that are not only going through the federal Congress, the U.S. Congress, but going through some of those 50 state legislatures. And that is a good thing. So I, I applaud this. Uh, uh, that we should, they should be doing this regularly. Would there be a federal participation in this? I'm, from what I read from the story, it sounds not. No, it's I don't think not. So. But remember, we do have, um, I've been to the Canadian Embassy in Washington. It's a beautiful embassy. It's very strategically located, about two blocks from the White House, by the way, and about a block, if I recall, if my memory serves me well, from the U.S. Department of Commerce. And so they're right downtown, and, they, and it's very staffed, heavily staffed, as it should be. We've got some of our best and brightest people there. And so the federal government has a very strong presence. Plus, we have commissioners, commercial, um, I forget what they're called, commercial trade officers, in many large American cities like New York City and Boston and San Francisco and Dallas and so forth. So we've got a lot of federal presence down there promoting Canadian products abroad uh, in the U.S., promoting Canadian industries and so forth, which is a good thing. And so it's not that the federal government isn't doing enough. They're doing lots, but the provinces need to do more. They can do more because of their bilateral relationships that exist between, you know, the Premier of Saskatchewan and the, and the Governor of Montana. I'm sure they talk to each other regularly. And so this is going to extend those relationships on a, into a more institutional uh, basis to try to dampen down uh, some of the protectionist measures that are uh, welling up again because, of course, it's an election year and politicians like to make promises that are popular when they're out campaigning for votes. Uh, Ford uh, mentioned at a business meeting uh, for business leaders uh, last week that uh, he was aiming at some sort of agreement with Ohio. What are your thoughts on that? Um, you know, it's, it's, I'm glad you asked that question. I drove through Ohio for the first and I've been to, on road trips, not flying into an airport and flying out. I've been now, I counted it up, I've been to 43 of 50 states in my life, but I hadn't been to Ohio. And so three years ago, I went to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in Cleveland, because I'm a big rock and roll guy, okay? Mm-hmm. And I always wanted to go to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And, and so I did my research, as I always do, and I, didn't, I knew that Ohio was, if you go back to the 1800s and even into the ni- early 1900s, Ohio was an extremely powerful state. John yeah. D. Rockefeller I is buried in Cleveland, Ohio Cemetery. He's the guy that created Standard Oil that we now call Exxon. Big, it, was, yeah. it then went in hard times. But even so, when you look at, A, the number of people in Ohio, and B, the GDP of Ohio... It's still a very big and important state. I believe it's number six out of 50. Of course, New York and San Francisco, uh, California and Texas are bigger, and Florida is bigger. But I believe Ohio is fifth or sixth. I remember driving with my parents way back when, uh, you know, the Florida vacation, the Myrtle Beach vacation, and going through Ohio and, and along the, the, the interstate and such, seeing yeah. refinery after refinery, industry after industry. It was big into industry. Yeah. There's still, I mean, there's still car plant, big car plant, the Jeep yeah. plant, the Jeep plant in Toledo. 
that makes the Jeeps <laughs> is there. Uh, the, the Ford, co- the, the, the car companies, the American car companies are still big in Ohio. It's heavy industry. It's still very heavy industry. It is transforming, but there's a lot of industry there, a lot of people, and it's in a very important state. So, again, I applaud it. It's, uh, as I said, I think it's number six. I stand to be corrected, but it's it's not a little tiny little state. It's a and it's one of the states that elected Donald Trump. By the way, it was one of the four swing states that elected him in uh, 2016. It's a very it's a swing state also in the sense that they swing back and forth. Some state years they vote uh, Republican, and some years they vote uh, Democrat in the presidential election race. And so, but it's it's a border state. It's got a lot of people. It's got heavy industry. And we've had close ties with Ohio going back literally over hmm. a century. So this is this is an important relationship for Canada. Ian Lee has been with us, Sprott School of Business, Carleton University, a pile of premiers heading off to the United States to talk uh, trade between our uh, closest partner. Ian, thanks for the time and insight as always. Much appreciated. Thanks, Scott. The Scott Thompson Show, weekdays from noon to 3 on 900 CHML.